2021 is almost over and I recently reflected on the lessons I've learned this year. And in this video, I want to break down the 10 major lessons I had to learn in 2021. And hopefully they educate you as well as inspire you. And I just want to encourage you, go for something big in 2022. So with that being said, let's jump into the 10 major lessons, starting with number one. Mountains of enthusiasm are often followed by valleys of disappointment. Now you might think, Yannick, what the heck does that really mean? Let me explain. Mountains of enthusiasm are the times when you're so pumped. You start that project, you set that goal, and you want to keep on moving forward. You just want to do the thing because you're excited. You love doing it. But then along the journey, you hit certain brick walls. You hit certain obstacles. And a mountain of enthusiasm where, where you're on a high is often followed by a valley of disappointment. I feel like, yeah, I thought this is going to turn out this way, or I thought this is going to be easier. And you're disappointed. You're in a darker season of life where you question, is this the right path? Where you question, am I doing the right thing? Where you question, do I have the right strategy? Now, mountains of enthusiasm are often followed by valleys of disappointment. Let me give you an example. Recently, I created a new training program. It's been the best training program I have ever created. And I was so pumped. I created the program and then it came time to actually launch that program. And I planned the entire launch, was super pumped. But in the end, I didn't get the results I wanted. Now that left me disappointed. And I was questioning, what did I do wrong? I was questioning, am I doing the right thing? I was questioning, why, why did the, the, like, doesn't that work? And that's part of the process. You need to realize that if you're going for something big, sometimes you're going to be on the mountain of enthusiasm and sometimes you're going to be in the valley of disappointment. And you need to trust that in the end, the valley of disappointment will pass and you'll rise again to the mountain of enthusiasm. One of the biggest things you need to understand is simply this. The valley of disappointment is a great learning opportunity. Because when you're on a high, when you're enthusiastic, you're just doing the thing, but you're not really questioning your approach. You're not really questioning, am I doing the right thing? You're not really questioning, is this really working? But when you're in a season of disappointment, it's a great time to evaluate, am I doing the right thing? To evaluate, is this approach working? Do I need to do something different? Do I need to pivot? Do I need to quit some things? Do I need to cut something out of my life that is holding me back? So the valley of disappointment can serve you tremendously if you open yourself up for learning. So that's my first and biggest learning in 2021. Mountains of enthusiasm are often followed by valleys of disappointment. But the hard part, the dark seasons, they will eventually pass and you will get into a brighter season again. I mean, in nature, 
Summer breeds winter, and winter is followed by summer. That's a natural cycle. So this is super important to understand. And similarly, the second lesson I've learned is don't quit because it's hard. Don't quit because it takes longer. Don't quit because you've lost your enthusiasm. Only quit because of four major reasons. First, the thing you're doing just slows you down. I mean, we all have these distractions in our life and they often slow us down. So if you want to speed up, you need to simplify. So quit the things that just slow you down, that just don't create results. For example, you can be, as a content creator, be on every social media platform. But as you do that, you spread yourself incredibly thin and you're actually not doing anything really well. So I've learned to double down on YouTube. I've learned to be on Instagram. The other platforms, they get scraps and pieces, but I focus on the things that really move the needle. So you want to quit the things that slow you down. You want to also quit the things that are soul-sucking, where you feel like, yeah, this is meaningless. Of course, if you're in a dead-end job and you don't see any path to this being meaningful, well, then it's time to put a date into your calendar when you're going to quit. The third reason to quit is because you have the wrong strategy. So you want to quit the wrong strategy while staying consistent in your pursuit of the vision you have. So you want to quit the wrong strategy and pivot towards the right strategy. And then fourthly, you want to quit when you feel like, no, not when you feel like, when you know you're stuck or moving backwards. Don't quit because you feel like you're stuck or you're not making progress. Because progress can often be an illusion. We often fool ourselves in believing we're not making any progress, when indeed we do. So first, we want to get clear, what's my measure of progress? How could I measure progress objectively? For example, on YouTube, you can measure how many subscribers you gain. You can measure how many views you get. You can also measure Am I progressing in the quality of my videos? And I believe that's the best measurement for progress because that's something I can control. Views, subscribers, not in my power, but the quality of the videos I create, that is within my power. So those are the four major reasons why you want to quit, but don't quit because it's hard. And don't quit because you feel like you've tried everything. If you feel like you've tried everything, you need to open yourself back up to learning because there are new things you can try. There are new strategies out there. You just need to find them. So don't quit because it's hard. Don't quit because you feel like you've tried everything and it doesn't work. Only quit because of those four major reasons. Third key lesson that I've learned in 2021 is this, who not how. And this is based on a great book by Benjamin Hardy and Dan Sullivan called Who Not How. And the premise of this book is simple. When you ask, how can I do this? How can I create a YouTube channel? How can I make this amount of money? 
How can I do X, Y, and Z? You open yourself up for procrastination. Because when you ask how and you don't have an answer, you don't have a clear picture, you stop. The better question to ask is, who can help me with this? Who can help me make six figures? Who can help me start a YouTube channel? So you want to get clear on who can help me achieve this. And getting a team, getting others involved into your projects is one of the best things you can ever do because you don't need to be the expert at everything. So who not how? When you don't need the answer, shift your question. Shift your question from how can I do this to who can help me do this? Who can teach me do this? Who can mentor me along the way? And this is going to accelerate your success. And if you want to go deeper, I highly recommend check out Who Not How by Dr. Benjamin Hardy and Dan Sutherland. Great book. Fourth key lesson I've learned in 2021 is that wins need to be celebrated. Your wins need to be celebrated. Because again, progress can fool ourselves. We can often feel like we're not making any progress. We can often feel like we're moving backwards. But when you actually assess how far you're going backwards, then you feel different about your progress. You feel different about the journey to success. I mean, I've been on YouTube for two years and I'm not where I want to be. And I'm not where I envisioned I'd be after two years. But when I look back, I've grown tremendously over those two years as a communicator, as a marketer, as a character. My character has been deepened so much because I had to go through valleys of disappointment. I had to go through seasons where I felt like nothing is working and I wanted to quit. But I learned to persevere. I learned to have grit. I learned to, I learned principles about success. So this has been huge. So we need to celebrate the wins that we have. Because if you only look forward and you measure yourself against your ideal, well, you're never going to measure up. You're always living in the gap, as Dr. Benjamin Harbidi would call it. You're living in the gap, not the gain. And that's a great other book by Dan Sullivan and Dr. Benjamin Hardy, Gap and the Gain. I'm currently reading it and it's been such a game changer. And the promise of this book is simple. If you measure the gap between where you currently are and the ideal that you're pursuing, you feel like a failure. You feel miserable. If instead you measure the gain from where you started to how far you've come till this point, you live in the gain. You feel good about yourself. You see like you're making progress. And I already kind of knew this, but this year I doubled down on the strategy. This year I made a commitment to write down the wins that I had. Because this is huge for our psychology. And here's a simple math. If you write down five wins you had every day, you do that consistently over a month, you'll have a list of over 150 wins. Do that over a year and you'll have over 1,800 wins. That'll change your confidence. That'll change 
how you experience the journey to success. So this has been a game changer, a game changer. So this is something that I highly recommend you do. Simply write down five wins you've had today and then do that every day. And yes, I recommend do that every day and you will feel differently about the progress that you're making because oftentimes we discount the progress that we're making. Key lesson number five I've learned is slow is smooth and smooth is fast. That's a Navy SEALed mantra and it applies to anything. Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Now the idea behind this and why the Navy SEALs use this is if you go into an area of combat and you just jump in unprepared, well, you're going to get killed. So it is better to go in slow, be prepared, do it smooth, and that way you're going to be faster and more efficient. It applies to business too. It applies to success too. So what I had to learn is doing more is actually not going to produce better results. I mean, up until a few months into 2021, I was creating a new course every month and it helped me. It helped me get better. It also helped me clarify my thinking. But I learned to slow down because what I didn't do is dial in the marketing for those courses because I was creating so many. So I had to slow down. I had to take it more smoothly. I had to double down on how do I market this effectively? How do I yeah, promote this? How do I get the results that I really want? I was so focused on creating more that I forgot that the marketing side is really what really matters. That's going to drive sales. That's going to drive your business. So slow is smooth and smooth is fast. I also had to learn this on YouTube. I just used to crank out videos. There was a time when I was doing seven videos a week and they were good videos, nothing against them, but I didn't put any time into editing and making it a little bit better and polishing those videos. Now I've learned if I go slower and I put in more time into the editing, more time in preparing, I'm actually going to go faster because if I create better videos, I'm going to get better results. So this is huge. Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. And similarly, Another thing I had to learn is that there is power in strategic procrastination. There's power in strategic procrastination. Now, I love to tell you when to procrastinate and when not, but honestly, I can't tell you. I don't have the formula. So here's the idea behind this. Last year, I created a course, a productivity course, was super deep, and this year I wanted to update this course because I learned so much. So I had that plan in May, but I didn't start creating that course until September. And in September, it was the right time because I'd learned enough to really make this course exceptional. So I created it in September. I waited four months, but it was the perfect time to do this project. Now, 
at the time, it sometimes felt like, yeah, I want to do this faster. I want to do this sooner. So there's power in strategic procrastination. But how do you tell the difference? Well, if you're just procrastinating and you don't do anything, chances are you're not really being productive. Like in the four months that I waited to create this course, I wasn't sitting on my hands. I was doing things. I was learning. I was growing. I was creating videos. I dialed in the messaging. I dialed in the curriculum for that course. So it took me a lot of time to actually get to a point where I wanted to create this course, but it was the right time. Now, how do you find the right time? I don't know. That's something you need to evaluate. And when you put things off, sometimes it can feel like, yeah, I'm just procrastinating here. And one of the best things I've learned is to sometimes you want to park your projects. You just want to park your projects. Like you feel like I need to do them right now, but honestly, you're already overstretched. So one of the big things I've learned is to just park them maybe four months out. I, at some point, just scheduled that course to be created in September. So I got myself mental peace because I knew in between I wasn't going to do this course. I'm also writing a book and there's power sometimes in strategic procrastination. So when I started my business, I already wanted to write a book, but honestly, I didn't know what to write about. So I procrastinated until I just started to park this project into 2021. I realized in 2020, I'm not going to write this book. So let me just park this project into 2021 and start it there. And it gives you so much more mental freedom and you stop feeling guilty about not doing the thing. Now, Again, what's the difference between strategic procrastination and emotional? It's up to you. You need to decide, but there's power in strategic procrastination. The seventh, are we seventh? The seventh lessons I've learned is to develop range in the capabilities you have. Let me explain. If you look at most performers and most success advice, they're going very narrow. They're going into one topic of expertise and that's all they study. A neurosurgeon studies all about neurosurgeries. Uh, I don't know, a firefighter only learns about how to put out fires. We're often very narrow in our skills. And for some jobs, this is necessary. Like you want your neurosurgeon to know everything about neurosurgery, to be an expert at this, to practice it relentlessly so many times that it can be repeated almost on autopilot. But here's the difference. Is your job something where you repeat the same thing over and over and over again? Or are you more in a creative job? Because when you're more paid for the ideas you create, it's really important to develop range, to get into different areas that have nothing to do with what you do. Like I do personal development. I do productivity. I could just read about productivity, but I don't. I read about history. 
about art, about music, about relationships. I develop expertise in different areas. And here's the key. If you are paid for your ideas, when you have outside knowledge, you can combine the inside knowledge that you already have because you're in the industry with things that have never combined before. So if you want to innovate, don't just go deep into one thing. Go deep in other areas too, and then you're able to synthesize the lessons you've learned, the ideas you've captured. So this is huge. So here's the simple thing. Identify. Is my job something where I just need to repeat the same thing over and over and over and over again? Or am I doing something where I'm paid for my ideas, where I need to be creative, where every day looks differently, where every challenge is differently? If you're in a job where you just need to repeat the same thing over and over again, yeah, develop depth, of course, but you also want to develop range too. Like if you're a taxi driver, for example, you're doing the same thing over and over again, basically. But there are ways in how you can innovate and make yourself stand out in that area too. So it's important to both develop depth as well as range. And a great book on this is Range by David Epstein. I really love this book. And I highly recommend that you read it because it's going to change your perspective on success. Then, the eighth key lessons I've learned. By the way, if you like this video so far, could you smash like? Thank you very much. The eighth lesson I've learned is that you need to find your optimal window of productivity. There's a point of diminished returns. If you put in more hours beyond that point, you're going to get diminished returns, meaning the effort you put in doesn't equal a high enough output that it would validate putting in more hours. So you want to find your optimal window of productivity, in which you maybe you work five hours a day, maybe six hours, but you want to define a lower bound, something that you, like a threshold that you're going to surpass every time. And you also want to create an upper bound, a threshold you're not going to surpass at any point. So for me, I've found that my optimal window of productivity is between three hours and maybe eight hours. Anything beyond eight hours is just a waste of my time. My ideal point is right around five to six hours. Now for you, this might be different but you want to identify what's my optimal window of productivity. And then you want to stick to that. I don't work more than eight hours ever. I just don't because I know if I put in more than eight hours a day, I'm reaching a point of diminished returns where I'm not going to be more productive, A, and B, I'm eating away the energy of tomorrow. So tomorrow, I'm actually hurting my productivity if I work more than eight hours today. Now again, you need to find your optimal window of productivity. I can't tell you what that is. For most people, probably right around three to maybe six, eight hours. Anything more than eight hours is probably not going to be more productive. 
although we often fool ourselves into believing that it is. We often fool ourselves into believing, yeah, this is more productive because I worked longer. But are you paid for your ideas or are you working in a factory? Are you just putting in pieces together? Are you creating cars? If you're just in a factory assembly line, then yeah, working longer probably is going to produce better results. But if you're paid for your creativity, your ideas, then working longer is actually detrimental to your productivity. Because yeah, you put in more work, but the output doesn't really validate, doesn't really make sense to putting in more hours. There's tremendous value in taking time off and going at a sustainable pace. I mean, here's a simple question. Are you going at a pace that is sustainable for months, years, and decades? Because chances are you at least have a few more years to go. Chances are you have decades that you're going to continue to work. But if you go at an unsustainable pace, where today you eat away the energy of tomorrow, you actually make your future smaller. We often hustle and grind because we want to make our future bigger. We think if I work 16 hours a day today, that sacrifice is going to be worth it in 10 years. What we don't realize is we're eating away of our future self. We're making it harder because it has consequences if you work too long today. Your energy is going to suffer, you're tired a lot, you can't calm down. So it has consequences. Everything you do today has consequences, good or bad. So are you going at a sustainable pace? And the ninth lesson I've learned is simply this. There's value in taking time off. There's value in taking your foot off the pedal and just relax. I mean, I knew that before, but sometimes I was very strict, very rigid about, oh, I need to be productive. I need to get this done because I need to. Now, if I'm not having my best day, I feel like, yeah, it's okay to take a half day off. It's okay to go out into nature and relax. Now, if you're struggling with procrastination and you're not doing a lot, this would not be my favorite advice because you need to learn how do I stay disciplined, consistent, motivated on a regular basis. But if you're a high achiever and you rarely take some time off, this is the perfect piece of advice. Sometimes the most productive thing you could ever do is taking time off. I've learned to schedule vacations, to schedule time, like time off. So today I don't work on weekends. I just don't. I schedule a vacation every quarter. Why? Because it helps me stay in the game longer. It helps me stay more motivated, more driven, more ambitious over the long term. And when you plan your year, I highly recommend that the first thing you do is you schedule your vacations. Don't schedule your life around your work. Schedule your work around the lifestyle you want to live. 
So schedule your vacations first because before you set any goals. Determine when am I going to take some time off. Now the last key lesson I've learned in 2021 is simply this. Invest in world-class experiences and world-class tools. So here's a story I want to share. When I was a teenager, my dad had a project going on with one of the major soccer clubs here in Germany. And they were highly successful at the time, but they were basically broke, so they couldn't pay him. But what they did is they gave him 10 VIP tickets to a game of our choice. Now I've been to soccer games dozens of times, but this one experience stood out. Here's what we did. We decided we're going to go to a game of our favorite team while they're playing this team that my dad had worked for and we drove 400 kilometers and we had a VIP experience. We actually ate dinner basically with the managers of the club and we sat in a VIP suite and the game wasn't so special, but I still remember that trip. Why? It stood out above all of the others. Like normally we just sit normally in the row and observe the action from far away. But this time, this experience was special because we had VIP seats, we were treated like VIPs, and it just felt differently. So why do I tell you that? I encourage you to invest in world-class experiences. Instead of going on a vacation for two weeks in a cheap motel, why don't you stay two nights at the most exquisite hotel you can find? I often do this, where for special events, I book a hotel for one night. That is special. Recently, I stayed at an exquisite penthouse suite in a great hotel for just one night. Or I went to a castle that was a hotel for just one night. It costs a lot, of course, but it shapes who you are. When you experience world-class, you can actually do world-class work. Because if you don't know what world-class looks like, how could you create at world-class? It's almost impossible. So when you give yourself the gift of having world-class experiences, your perspective changes. So instead of staying two weeks at a cheap motel, why don't you stay one or two nights at a great hotel. Instead of having season tickets for your favorite team, why don't you go to one game per season and you sit in the front row where you can smell the action. And then similarly, you also want to invest in world-class tools. I mean, if you want to do world-class work, have world-class tools. For example, in my business, I use Kajabi. It hosts my website, my online courses, my email marketing. It basically does everything in my business. Now I could use 10 different tools that all do these things, but I have to integrate all 10 of them and it would be a hot mess. Instead, I have this one tool and I tell, like I pay $200 per month just to have access to Kajabi. If you want to test it out, by the way, there's a 30 day 
free trial link down below. Now, I highly recommend this tool. But my point is, I invest in world-class tool because it helps me speed up. It helps me have less friction. It helps me create a world-class. It helps me create a world-class experience for my customers. So this is huge. Do you have the tools that you need to really create at the highest level? Now, of course, I don't like advise you to be reckless with your money. Of course not. But when you're investing great tools, see it as an investment rather than as a cost. Like when I started my business, $200 a month was a lot of money for a software. But I decided to pay it because this is going to give me hours back. And this is going to help me go so much faster. This is an investment in my future. So this is huge. You want to invest in world-class experiences and world-class tools. And those are the 10 major lessons I've learned in 2021. Now, what I want to hear from you is, what's one major lesson you learned in 2021? Post that down below and then until the next time, make sure that you live fully, live openly and be the leader of your life.